Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We've got a great show in store. Today, we have our friend, Mike Kelsey, and his wife, Ashley Kelsey, at the end, too. It's such a good show, y'all. Throughout this month, you've been hearing all of our That Sounds Fun tour live conversations from June on the podcast. Now, in each city, we did save some of the interview just for the live audience, but you'll hear most of it here, and you'll hear some live feedback from the audience as well, which I think is so fun. Pastor Mike Kelsey currently serves at McLean Bible Church in Washington, D.C. area. He's on the teaching team, and as you will hear us talk about, he has a long, strong lineage of serving God in D.C. He is passionate to advance the gospel in multi-ethnic contexts and longs to see the emerging generations invest their lives for the glory of God. He's married to his college sweetheart, Ashley. Y'all are going to love her, and they have three young kids. You may remember him from episode 220 last year, or remember last June, June 2020, he actually took over and hosted the podcast for a week, and we will get him to do that again really soon. I'm so grateful for his friendship and that he came out to Grand Rapids to be on the show with us. So here is my conversation with Pastor Mike Kelsey. Will you please join me in welcoming our guest, Pastor Mike Kelsey. So good, so good. I'm so glad you're here. You're one of the only guests with long enough legs that you could have done the Ellen thing around the table. Well, I've never done this before. I didn't know how intimidating that. The walkout? Yeah? Like deciding how you're going to do that? Yeah. That's very intimidating. Do you need another go? I don't know. Like, how did that (laughs) one go? You got to decide, do I want to be cool? <laughs> do I want to be like, oh, I've done this before. It's not a big deal. I do thought I... it was cool. My was hot take was that was cool. Okay, good. I loved it. All right. Um, okay, you're not from here. You flew in from D.C. I did. This morning? Yeah, this morning. Wow. Yeah. That's some traveling. Yeah. We appreciate you. Your wife, yeah. Ashley, came with you. She's out there somewhere. How many years have y'all been married now? Twelve. Twelve. Yep. What do you know uh, after? Pretty sure. <laughs> yep. Live. That's <laughs> We're about to get into it. (laughs) Um, Tell me what you know about being married that you didn't know before 2020. Mm. (laughs) With my wife here? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That I didn't know. Man, I think, uh, I mean, I knew this, but I think I I learned it in a new way. We got three kids, 10, 7, and 4. And just those family rhythms. I didn't learn that they were important. I knew that. I think I relearned how fun the mundane things of life are. Wow. So just I think in our marriage and, and being parents, um, you know, we just moving so fast. And for a moment, everything was shut down. And we were going on walks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was like 72 years old. You know what I mean? We were like not running, like legitimately walking. We need to use an hour of time. You know Everybody saying? start walking. Like we gotta, hey, you got to slow down, please. Uh, we got to extend this thing. So we were like doing walks every day and just little little things like that. Yeah. Um, that was actually helpful for me, you know. Uh, so that was that was a big thing. What do you love more about Ashley after COVID than you did before? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Um, I love her. Ah, oh, there's so much. Um, her resilience. Mm. Because I think this year has been really tough. Uh, she um, was furloughed for a year. 
Oh, wow. From her job, that came just out of nowhere. And the way she pivoted to prioritize our family and, and our kids and uh, just her resilience in this season has mm-hmm. been, I think, spectacular. And since she's in the room, y'all can like give it up for her. Yes. Yes, Ashley. Why does resilience matter? Because I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. I think resilience is so necessary for joy. Mm. There's like a buoyancy that I think we have to have in life because life is going to be tough sometimes. And if people ever doubted that, 2020 did what 2020, you know what I'm saying, right. is, is like continuing to do, apparently. Right. Um, and uh, with Sidebar, did any of y'all have a, a cicada problem? Or was that just the D.C. area? Anybody? Okay, cool. Oh, sorry, but I heard my it got God, loud. My Lord. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> They're so loud, right? They are, yeah. In 2013, crazy. they hatched in Nashville, mm. and you could not hear a friend outside. It was, it was It's like a buzz yeah, all the time. it was really crazy. So that was a great exclamation point to last year. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> Like a great a plague. We're in yeah, the middle yeah, of a yeah. plague. It was, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. It was like biblical. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think resilience is important for joy because there's so much stuff that beats us down, that threatens our joy. Um, and you got to be able to, I think, to bounce back. Like you said, to chase fun, but yeah. to make that decision that I'm going to give myself permission to chase fun, yeah. to experience joy, even though there's so much stuff weighing me down. I, this is a hard question I'm about to ask you. All right. How do we know when to be resilient and when to move on? Man, like in what they're like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, Whoops. and what do you mean? Like, okay, so, uh, like uh, you lose a job, maybe, yeah. Ooh, yeah. or a relationship, or you lose something that really matters yeah. to you, and resilience would say, hang in there, yeah, get back up, try again, yeah. And there are times where it's like, no, move on to a different job, don't For like, sure. So, how yeah. do you know the difference? How do we know? You're like, why are you in my life right now? You're like, really. <laughs> In the midst of like our whole prayer situation. Uh, really? No, it's it just, um, uh, it's so hard. I don't think there's an equation and we've been walking through it. I just think, I know this sounds kind of cliche. I think there's times where it's like when you know, you know. Mm. So it, it really is something that's personal for those who have uh, like a faith life and a, and a relationship with God. Like I think that discernment just comes over time through prayer in community with other people who yes. really know you. Yes. Um, because there's a lot of other people that swoop in in those moments uh, to offer you opportunities and to be able to sit with people who really know you. I, we found it's so clutch in being able to discern those times. So I just think, I think there's a lot that goes into it, but I think, man, when you know, uh, you know. But a lot of us, I think, we struggle to, when it's time to go, uh, it's way more comfortable to just stay in what's familiar. Well, for sure. That's you know true. what I mean? Yes. And so uh, so I think that's can be so, so difficult. You know, um, I don't know if that's true of you as a seven. I mean, y'all just be out here. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, I, but I'm a nine. I just want to be like. You're pe- a nine? I'm a nine. Shout Bless. out to nines. We what's just be Ashley? out here making peace. Let's make some peace. They're like this. Yay. <laughs> we are here. Yeah. What's Ashley identify as? She's a four. The rest of the fours are crying. Yeah. <laughs> They're just crying. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's interesting. Four, yeah. well, okay, knowing that about y'all, yeah. um, I would love, and just knowing y'all and our friends, I mean, we talked about this before, but you aren't considered a guest on That Sounds Fun. You're mm. literally considered a part uh-huh. of what we do. Our, our friends listening on the other side, 
somehow you have ingrained yourself into our hearts so deeply. Mm. There are guests people ask for, and then they want you to have your own show. Mm. That's mm. what happens all the time. So mm. in front of everyone, please, can we just put you on the network? Can we just get you a oh. show? <laughs> it needs to happen. Let's go. I don't okay. know why you put me on this. Why, why did you give me a, I know you're the one asking the questions, but I am. it seems like it was a little bit of an irresponsible decision for you to just <laughs> blindly give me a week of your show. <laughs> you know exactly. You never even checked in. <laughs> Which, on, on the one hand, I was like, it's very encouraging that you trust me that much. On the other hand, I was like, it's not like a low-key podcast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. Andy's not helping me at all. You were like on vacation. Oh, no, did you need help? Sabbatical, whatever the heck you were doing. I was not. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mike, yeah, I was just yeah. on vacation. <laughs> you were just, yeah. I was just hoping you'd handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> if you haven't heard what happened last spring, Mike being on the show, Mike and I met two summers ago. Yeah. And immediately, it was this. Immediately, we were sitting by each other at dinner. I was like, oh, you're stuck mm. with me. You are my friend forever. <laughs> and then last year when we were a lockdown and racial tensions just got everywhere. Yeah. And uh, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, mm -hmm. I called Mike and I said, will you come talk to me about this mm -hmm. on the show? And then what I wanted more than that is I wanted you to have conversations with other black people without me in the room. Mm. Because I thought y'all will tell y'all will tell stories that you may not tell if you knew Annie F was there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I gave it to you yeah. because I trusted you and because I knew you would host the conversations that I actually cannot do. Mm. And so I'm, I'm ready to do it again. I mean, I'm, I, I want you to do that anytime you want mm. to, and I will go on vacation. <laughs> so that is what I will do. <laughs> yeah. um, fun, man. I want to talk. We'll come, we're coming back to that. Yeah. Something you mentioned a second ago when we were talking about resilience and when to walk away, and you said, well, in our prayer life, yeah. we're there. I, I love hearing about how y'all pray. Mm. Will you, uh, what is your prayer life? What does it look like when you say we pray? Does that mm -hmm. mean you and Ashley are like every morning, mm -hmm. or is it just like we're both praying like this, and then we're coming and talking about it? Or yeah. What does it look like? It looks, I think, more like the second, um, and... I think especially in times where we're really trying to discern, I think one of the things that's so just on an individual level, the I mean, obviously we know there really is a guy who hears in response to our prayers. That's it. Um, prayer, well, answered prayer actually changes things. Like God yes. who controls everything responds to our prayers and according to his will. But there is also something that happens in us. Mm. And so I think... When I'm praying through, through that time, and even when we're praying together and we're trying to discern stuff, what I've found is, is some of the most meaningful stuff that happens is what God reveals in me. Mm. Because a lot of times we're wrestling with stuff in our head, and, it, and just to say it out loud, whether it's through journaling or talking to God about it, or especially if you're praying with other people, it doesn't have to be the husband and the wife. It could be with your roommates or your friends or people in your small group, you know, in, you know at, at your church. Um, but to be praying about those things out loud, you are hearing and giving voice to stuff that's in your heart mm -hmm. that maybe you haven't even given yourself permission to express. Um, and maybe you didn't even know it was there. And so it's really like a refining process, I think, for me and for Ashley when we're praying through those kinds of things. And we start to realize, oh, this really matters to me more than I was aware it did. Or yeah. these motives are really down in there. Or these fears are really driving some of what's going on in this situation. So I think praying, I mean, scripture says, I think it's in Psalm 42, it says, pour out your hearts to God. 
Um, and I know, like, my personality, I don't really pour out my heart to nobody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so just kind of praying through that stuff, is it, it reveals some of how God is already working and moving in my heart. Yes. And it helps to give clarity in our lives. So in a, in a practical way, it just looks like for me, like, I literally have an app I use. It's called Day One. It's a journaling app. Oh. And uh, it syncs to all your different devices. And I use it to just journal on a regular basis. I use it to... <laughs> pray through what's going on uh, uh and you just type it all out trust I just type you put it all, all out all your journals in the cloud you can hashtag so I can just in this download app. it and I put, now i'm gonna read it all well thank you thank you for saying that that's I wanna, terrifying yeah, I appreciate, it is absolutely terrifying yeah yeah <laughs> it would be a problem if it got out um but uh <laughs> i like it because i can access it anywhere i literally before we walked out here pulled up when i was writing through and just chronicling the first time we met Oh, wow. Like when we met in Colorado and I was yeah. just journaling through that experience and praying through that. And so uh, that helps me uh, because I'm an external processor. Yeah. I don't do very well sorting through my emotions. Yeah. Uh, even the way I just said that, it was kind of like was derogatory. Right. You no. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. All um, the fours but, are yeah, sad again. I'm sorry about you that. You made the fours sad yeah, again. Yeah, sorry. And uh, so doing that, uh, journaling my prayers and my thoughts in that way is like a conversation with God that's just out there for me to see. I, people ask me almost every night mm. in the Q&A what I've learned about God mm. in the last couple of weeks of the yeah. tour. And the, I have the same answer every night. I've had an experience these weeks that I probably for the first time in my whole life, I'm like, God hears every single thing I pray. Mm. Here's every single thing. Mm. It is like blowing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so when you journal all that, mm-hmm. how often do you go back and go, you did, you did more than I asked. You did exactly what I asked. You knew better than me, so you didn't do what I asked. Yeah. I mean, how, how often are you reflecting like you did today? Um, usually it's at different moments. Like, it's, it'll be like dumb stuff like today. I've been <laughs> in Grand Rapids before, and t- uh, today for lunch we went to Slow's Barbecue. Anybody been to Slow's? Okay, cool. That got a People, very medium response. It did, but I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was <laughs> amazing to me. Uh, and I remembered that I went to Slow's before when I was in Grand Rapids. I literally, when I journaled through that, I like I wrote down we went to Slow's Barbecue. So oh. I, I had to go back to be like, where did I eat? Because I need some good food. Um, <laughs> so usually it's, it's events that trigger me going back. Oh, interesting. Um, but there's also, uh, we do a staff retreat every year where it really is just about us as a team connecting with God individually and together. Uh, and I challenge our team to like go back through. We, we answer a question together. Um, if you could summarize this, what, what God's been doing in your life over this past year in one word or a book title or a movie title, what would it be and why? Oh, and wow. so we give everybody like four hours to go and, and think through that. And one of the things I do is just go back through that journal to see how God has been responding to prayers. What was I feeling? Yeah. And one of the things that's helpful, man, is uh, we talk about resilience. There's just times where you are in the grips of something, whether it's fear, anger, whatever it is. Sometimes it feels good to just go back and read that and realize I'm not in that grip of that right, right now. Right. It's just good to, to be reminded this, this stuff comes to an end. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's that moan of going like, oh, I'm out of the season I thought I wouldn't yeah, get out of. And it just thought. happened. Yes. And, and I, if I wouldn't have journaled what that felt like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know me, I'm yeah. big into journaling too. I think, I think this may be bad theology. You're the pastor here. Mm. Sometimes I think God shows out because mm. he knows I'm watching mm. and I'm going to write it down. So sometimes mm. it's like, hey, that one little detail, mm. I may not have noticed that, but mm. because I did, he's like, I, I, I heard you. I don't think that. that's bad theology, though. I think God 
Uh, matter of fact, Second uh, Chronicles uh, talks about how it says the eyes of the Lord go back and forth throughout the whole earth, seeking to work on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. Mm. Like he is eager. Well, if I could cry, uh, then yeah, I would. Yeah, that's fair. But that's, it, fair. that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, no, oh, we got uh, time. We're yeah, going. Yeah, okay. But it's like God, and, and I think sometimes we don't think of God this way, that God is on, it literally, it says his eyes are roaming back and forth throughout the earth. He is sitting on the edge of his seat, waiting for, it is a hobby to him mm. to prove to you and to prove to me, I am who I say I am. I can do what I, what I say I can do, and I will do what I have said I'm going to do. And so I don't think that's bad theology. I think God is like eager to prove to us, to show us, to demonstrate for us that he is who he says he is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You, I'm just teary. <laughs> Jameson, run me some tissues. <laughs> it's never happened. Listen, Jameson is working. That boy is getting some steps. That dude is, I'm working man. on his step count for today. Um, Mike, you you, talk, I, you just on your Instagram a couple of weeks ago, you posted about rest. Yeah. Will you tell that story about everybody praying for you and oh, what yeah. happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in, uh, I was out out here, matter of fact. Uh, or not not here in Grand Rapids. I was in Colorado Springs, matter of fact. And, it's a very uh, different place. It's a very different place. I apologize. I was here, but I meant like Sorry. in Colorado. My bad. So. Uh, somewhere. It's and, fine. Uh, you weren't in D.C. is what you're saying. That's basically what I did. I was is that not what home. I said? Isn't that what I said? Does that mean here if I'm okay, not cool. home? Okay, cool. All no? right. Okay. Uh, so I, I was uh, so at, an, at an event there, and there was a whole lot of people uh, who, who were there, a lot of influential folks that I really look up to and just do a lot of cool stuff. And so I was um, there, and I'm a pastor. Sometimes it's hard to take the pastor hat off. So we were in this prayer time. And uh, while we were praying, every, all of us praying together, I just, um, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, just kind of came to my mind where it talks about, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. And so that's been resonating with me. And I thought to myself, there's probably somebody else here who's feeling weary, and, and we should pray for them. And so I mentioned that, and everybody said they were feel, feeling weary. Uh, but a friend of mine was there who knew some of the stuff that I've been going through. And he said, hey, you know what? I think me and Sam Collier, who yeah. you interviewed, Sam Collier, yeah. who's a new pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, um, we were in the room. And he said, I think we should get Mike and Sam uh, in the middle of the room and we should pray for them. Uh, we were the two pastors in the room. Um, and he said, because uh, so often pastors always feel the need to be ministering to other people uh, instead of allowing people to minister to them. And uh, so they circled around us and lay hands on us and they were praying for us. And afterwards, it dawned on me like what I had just done. I was the one who was weary. I was the one who was feeling heavily burdened. And instead of just saying that, I had to be the pastor. And, and I didn't even realize it. It was so subtle. The move was... There's probably somebody else here who feels that way, and we should pray for them. Um, and uh, I think that sometimes it's just a, it's a pride thing. You know what I mean? Where I'd struggle to be vulnerable enough to say, I'm the one who's in need in this moment. And so that was a, I, there's a picture that I posted on Instagram yeah. that somebody, I don't even know who took the picture yeah. and sent it to me with all of them surrounding us and just praying for us. Yeah. And that was just a, a reminder to me, dog, it's okay to be in need. It's yes. okay to show other people where you're feeling weak and weary and insecure and inadequate. Uh, that was huge for me. I think so many of our friends 
listening and here that are moms, mm-hmm. <laughs> that are parents, yeah. that are teachers feel this like, yeah. I don't get to be the weak one. Yeah. Because if I'm the weak one, the whole system falls apart. Yeah. That has to be how pastors feel. Absolutely. Especially over the last year, year and a half or so. Yeah. I mean, when you have repeatedly been meeting people in the midst of their trauma, you know, we did funerals for people who lost their life because of COVID. 32-year-old dude in our congregation who had three young kids, Mm. you know, who left his wife a widow because he got COVID, went into uh, the ER, and he never came out. And so when, when you're carrying all that and you're dealing with all the drama and all the tension around, should we wear a mask or not? Should the church be open or not? And people are leaving. And it's just every pastor I know has been going through kind of yeah. the same stuff. But you just have this illusion of uh, that you have to be the one who is always doing the ministry mm-hmm. uh, rather than being one who receives that. Yeah. And I'm just one member, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm just one member of the body. I'm not the head. I'm just one part. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. we all need each other. Hey, y'all, we'll be right back to our conversation with Mike. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Nutrafol. Did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them, you know that you are not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. That's why thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. With many users raving that the supplement not only transformed their hair, but it also restored their confidence. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. No matter your stage in life, Nutrafol has a solution. In fact, Nutrafol Women is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress or dieting, overstyling, and environmental toxins, while Women's Balance is formulated with additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. They are physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free, which I love. They use medical-grade botanicals and consistently effective dosages, so you get the most reliable results. Now, remember, healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthy hair. When you visit their site, you can take a hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs. I've been using it for months and even got my sister hooked on it. The results don't lie. I can trust that we're giving our bodies the support they need for the healthiest and strongest our hair has ever been. Start growing thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TSF to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code T-S-F. And now back to the show. So for our friends who are in a church that they're plugged in, they know the pastor, they can DM him or text him or call him or whatever. Yeah. What do we need to ask? How do we know if they're tired? Mm. Like, I don't know how to ask Pastor Kevin if he's tired. Yeah, yeah. That is a great question. Thank you. My dad loves when people say that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think what I was going to say is ask your pastor how they're doing. If they're like me, they're going to lie. Right. Which I know is not for... (laughs) The way that came out... They're all liars like me. If... (laughs) 
If you're here, you're not a Christian like Christians, and definitely Christian pastors should not be lying. However, <laughs> however, uh, I mean, we just are going to be like, oh, you know, I'm doing good. You know what I'm saying? Right. And um, so how do you get beyond that? I think the way I, that moment, matter of fact, I may have put this on Instagram too, that moment when they were praying for me, my friend who was in the room, one of the things I posted um, in that same post with that picture is I said, a lot of people ask how you're doing friends stick around long enough until you tell the truth. Oh, wow. And so I would say you may not have that kind of intimate personal relationship necessarily with your pastor, but if you do, if you are around, I would say ask your pastor, like, how are you doing? Get their answer and then say, I really want to be praying for you. And so, like, really, how are you doing? Because I know this last year and a half has been really, really difficult, and I'd love to just be able to pray for you in that. And I think that might be a prompt for your pastor to know, oh, this person is real. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Have you known a lot of pastors? And then I would definitely tell the truth. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We know you would. We believe you all the way. (laughs) Um, Have you known a lot of pastors who've quit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even, like, quit life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How, what do we do for pastors after yeah. this year? I, I don't, I actually don't know another job, another profession. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it a calling in this situation because a lot of people are passing in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know another profession that I watched suffer quite the way pastors did. Mm-hmm. Everyone suffered in different ways. Mm-hmm. Pastors suffer uniquely. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do to help the men and women who are leading churches yeah. that are exhausted, mm-hmm. that are wanting to give up, that did give up, mm-hmm. that are wrestling around with sin because secrets are better than nothing. Yeah. And they're not. That's not a true statement. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How do we help? I don't I don't know. It's a it's an issue. Yeah. It it really is is an issue. And I was listening to a podcast episode. I wish I could remember the dude's name. I had never heard of him before. A friend of mine sent me the episode, and uh, he was basically just saying why the episode was why your pastor needs a sabbatical. What I loved about it is in our church, give a sabbatical. We've got a good situation in our church. A lot of churches don't. But he basically made an argument, and he, he said for, for four reasons why the pastoring is uniquely difficult. There's so many things that are difficult. You right. know what I mean? Uh, if you work at UPS that that's that has unique difficulties you know yes. if you're a teacher especially in the season we just came out unique difficulties Doctors, but he just helped people understand yeah. why pastoring is unique and um and I loved it and I would just say if you're in a church I would say make it a part of your personal responsibility to advocate for your pastor to be human and I think part of that. Somebody better is, write that down. Yeah. We get to advocate for our pastors to be human. Humans. They ain't Jesus. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're, 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 they are. And Jesus didn't have unlimited strength. He slept all the time. Yeah, straight up. Like, <laughs> like we, and they, we can't ask them not to sleep when Jesus was no, asleep in the they boat. They are, the pastors are. <laughs> Like a tour bus. Like, serious. (laughs) Sir, (laughs) there's some problems. Wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the difference, pastors are sinners. 
Right. Pastors don't know how to wrestle with their weakness all the time in the most healthy ways. Pastors take on a pressure that is not for them to, to carry. So like basic things like do they have a break? Do they actually have a day where they don't have to take phone calls and they don't have to work? Do they is there a rhythm of sabbatical for your pastor, whatever that looks like in their uh, um, uh, in, in the ministry uh, of that of that church? Uh, is their spouse taken care of? Because a husband and a wife in pastoral ministry are carrying that load together. Together. Um, uh, and so just advocating for them to be able to be human um, is uh, in all those practical ways. I think you can do that in your, in your context. Because I know me as a pastor, I love being a pastor. I feel so thankful to God for the privilege of being a pastor. I love the people that we get to serve. I love to work. I love my job. I struggle sometimes be, being a workaholic because I love doing pastoral ministry. Um, and I also never, 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 never want to take advantage of the people that God has, has entrusted to me to care for. It's very, very difficult for me to say I need a break. Yeah. It is very, very difficult for me to say I really need a little bit more free time because my wife is really struggling right now with the load that she's carrying. It's very difficult to say that. It's really, really helpful when there's other people who can advocate yeah. uh, for that in that way. Um, yeah. What is y'all's sabbatical rhythm? So at our church, uh, and McLean we do, Bible in um, DC, yeah. David Platt pastors along with it. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, so at our church, we do uh, every five years. Uh, our pastoral staff gets six weeks. Um, yeah. If you kind of if you skip that and you go to seven years, then you can take a full three months. Um, oh, wow. And so it's every five years or every seven years, uh, then you get uh, sabbatical. And there's no. Um, uh, like limitations or expectations necessarily on that time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we want to use it to be diving deeper into God's word and studying and that kind of thing, but it's whatever we need you to do. You don't have to come out the other side with a book written or uh, nothing no, like that. No, no, yeah. no. And here's a, the other side of it, though. I need to take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of what I mean. Advocate for your past to be human. Even where those things are in place, I would say put a little bit of healthy pressure yeah. to be like, no, you need to do it for real. We're on year seven, you know what man. I'm yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're acting a little cray cray lately. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, you need some rest, dog. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you some things I respect about you so much. You're third generation pastor in DC. Yep. So for three generations, your family has cared about the spiritual health of our nation's capital. Mm -hmm. And you've been at McLean Bible since 2007. Mm -hmm. Same church, yeah. pouring into the same people, moved around to different campuses and different jobs. Mm -hmm. That's so impressive. Mm. People don't do that anymore. Mm. People don't stay. People don't stay. Is it? Or is it just a nine thing? Like, I don't really want to <laughs> just help me out. You would like to be doing any of summer. You know what I'm saying? Am I just... I don't care is the actual like, answer. Oh I don't care why. Yeah, I don't sorry. care if it's your personality or your soul, but whatever it is, it's impressive. Yeah. What do you, what is it like pastoring the same people your grandfather pastored, your dad pastored? Mm -hmm. Like what do you feel about that family line thing? Yeah. I I mean, I didn't always look at it this way. I never wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. Um uh just like real quick asterisk like I, I, my dream was to be Diddy. Um, for those okay. of you who are aware of him, yeah, yeah. that was my dream. Like that, legit, like goals, goals. Then that yeah. entrance should have been better. Yeah, yeah. If that <laughs> was, ah, sorry about that. If that was Listen, the other drink, that was the that was a pastor took the cool entrance. Out of me. That there was, a, was a time in my life though. Yeesh, it's uh, tough to hear. Yeah. Um, so I, I, well, I wasn't really following Jesus until I got to college. And even when I was following Jesus, I did not in, have you any desire. You didn't follow Jesus till college. So no. grandpa's a pastor, dad's a pastor. You're like not interested. Mm -mm. 
knew how to do church. Man, your parents to, were praying yeah. their tail feathers off. Hundred percent. I still got two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of prayer. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so but even when I started following Jesus, I, I didn't want to be a pastor. Never thought I would work in a church. Um, uh, but. Uh, now being a pastor, I, 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 I'm just, I'm honored, yo. I'm, yeah. I am like beyond honored. It's over 70 years of consecutive pastoral ministry in Washington, D.C., and I get a chance to step in the, into that legacy um, and help shepherd people and reach people with the gospel and serve our city. Um, and so it's, it's a real joy. And for a lot of younger leaders, I just think um, being in a, every time I go places and they're like, how long you been there? And I'm like, oh, 15, about 14, 15 years. <laughs> Uh, it, I, people look at me like I'm an extraterrestrial, right? you know what I'm saying? Because right. that's just not what we do. Millennials, you know what I mean? Like we don't, they don't um, say. and, uh, but there is like, um, there's, I don't know how to describe it. There, it's not just, there's an equity that you accrue in relationship with people. Yeah. There's a credibility because they know, oh, you love me. Mm. This isn't an opportunity. Like, this wow. is a calling. Like you're right. here because you love us. Yes. And so uh, I get to be, you know, an OG on staff now because yeah. I've been there so long, yeah. uh, even though there's a lot of people there that are older than me. Um, and, and there's just a, a credibility that you accrue, you know, over that time. So it really is pretty sweet to have been there for that long. My wife has been at the church. She's a worship leader. She's been at church longer than me. She's been there for 17 years. Wow. And, uh, and so we've gotten a chance to She really is the more impressive one, isn't she? By I made the wrong call. I know. Far. I made the wrong call. By Ashley, far. my apologies. Next Most time it's you and me, sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, I, I cannot wait when we're long way down the path when mm. we're in heaven and I want God to like pull up a graph or a map or something that shows the impact of your family on that city mm. and the way mm. it spread to the globe. Yeah. I just think, man, looking at, looking at the depth of how uh, the bar chart is going to be off mm. the chain. Mm. It's just going to be massive. Mm. And, uh, and it inspires me to stay. Mm. Um, one of the conversations you're really generous with us about is mm. about race mm. and connecting. And, and, and I would love for you for a minute to talk about Right now where there's not like an apex story mm. that is like, well, we have to talk about yeah. it because it's all Twitter's talking about, yeah. or we have to talk about it because it's the news. It's all, there isn't an apex story right now. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for us to stay in the conversation, to keep trying to fall in love with the fullness of the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things, so there's not like a, headline national tragedy right now. I think one of the things that's really important is to remember that we are in a national tragedy. Like our history and the ongoing effects and implications of that, it is a national tragedy. So there's not like a headline about a murder or a headline about a trial or anything like that right now in this moment. What keeps happening though is those are volcanic eruptions, right? And, and it shows itself in our, in our churches, in the media, in our, where we work, in our families. Yeah. Like that stuff that has been beneath the surface, it erupts when those things happen. How many more times do those things need to happen to show us it's not just the presenting event itself? Right. That lava didn't that lava come from was already nowhere. here. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. yeah, I get it. And so I, get I think it. we're international. So that's helpful because there is still an urgency for us to pursue healing and reconciliation and justice. And, uh, and so I, I think 
we have a tendency to like be like, oh, all right, cool. Everything is chill. Everything is sweet now. We're good. Until, yeah. until the next thing. Right. Right. And we keep being surprised, you know, that there's a next thing. That's because there is this national tragedy that we find ourselves in. And you, have we made progress? Absolutely. When my grandmother and my grandfather, my grandfather who actually picked cotton, when they migrated from the South to D.C. in order to find work, you know, and my grandmother came to D.C. and, and her job was to basically clean white people's house. Like, that's how she describes it. Yeah. That's literally what she did. And she was able to buy real estate at a certain point. How we made progress? Absolutely. But we are still in the midst of a really, really challenging situation that has continued to unfold. So I just think that perspective is helpful that is because helpful. that that then motivates us to continue to do the work. Yes. And I think that work doesn't always have to be as like hostile and angry as it has been, although that's warranted. Um, but, uh, you know, you interviewed Jamar Tisby. Yeah. And uh, he wrote, um, uh, 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 what's the name of his book? How to, uh, how to Fight Racism? Uh, is that how, how yes, is that it? How to, how fight, to fight racism, racism. yeah. Thank and you. I love his framework, his arc framework, I awareness, relationships, and commitment. Yes. I think that's just so helpful. So being yeah. aware, not just of national headline tragedies, but being aware of history and then how that flows into and shapes today. Um, and then I think relationships are so clutch. Yeah. But relationships, I think, in the context of what we're talking about, because we need to be able to learn from one another. We need to be able to listen. And a lot of what we might think is kind of abstract history, I think, is able to become very personalized when we're talking to one another, not just on social media. You know what I mean? But actually looking other people who are different from us in the face, hearing their pain, their fears and all of that and leaning into that, humbling ourselves to say there's something I need to learn in this. There's some way I need to be changed by this um, and then being committed to being a part of the solution. Yeah. And none of us need to feel guilty because we can't be a part of the solution in the same way as this person is a part of the solution. Right. I think all of us have a different role to play. We're in different contexts. Grand Rapids is different than DC, is different than Atlanta. Um, so it's all gonna look different, but we all need to be committed, I think, to playing our role in the context we're, you know, we're in. You're pastoring a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You've got people of a bunch of different races in y'all's church. You're known yeah. for that, actually, mm -hmm. that your church is really diverse. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say there are mm -hmm. also policemen in your congregation. Yes, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you pastor? Federal, state, yeah. local. Yeah. How do we love our police friends well yeah. right now, too? I, I think acknowledging how difficult their job is. And I'll be totally honest with you, I have not always done that well. Because there have been moments where I've been so angry and so frustrated um, that some of the things that I've said or the ways that I said them, I think just completely like ignored people in my like people, friends, people that I know and love, people that actually show up on Sunday to help protect me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like on our security team and yeah. stuff like that. And uh and so I've had like, what I mean, when I said humbling yourself, um, you, there's stuff you need to learn, ways you need to be changed. That's been, I literally preached one Sunday and I mentioned, I, I mentioned race in the sermon and I mentioned police officers. I preached at 9 a.m. I had an 11 a.m. service. In between those services, one of our pastors in our church who is a legendary or was a legendary undercover narcotics officer in D.C., um, he called me in between services and said, hey, you know what would really be helpful? If, if in the next sermon you at least acknowledged 
uh, how difficult the job is for a police officer. So yeah. I just think, I think that's huge. I think m the majority of, of police officers are doing honorable work, yes. uh, have good motives in, in the work that they're doing. Um, and uh, uh, we've, we've, we've taken strides in our church to facilitate real conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it is challenging police officers to be like, as an African-American man who grew up on the other side of the tracks, you know what I mean? Who did not grow up in a community that really trusted police officers. Like he, I can help you understand a little bit of why that is and the perspective that, that our community kind of brings to the table. But I need to hear from you. When you see Headline News and, you, and we are all looking at this YouTube video and there's dynamics we don't understand about what we just watched. Yes. It's helpful for you, you to explain that to me. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just think acknowledging that's why the relationship is, matters, right? So huge because we can't have those conversations on Twitter or on can't, Facebook. Yeah. That is like, will you come over and it's I'm so going to make spaghetti? Yeah. And we, I, I just, we need to talk about this. Yeah. We, I, we've had like real conversations. Yeah. Like men and women in our congregation who are in law enforcement, um, and we've just really laid it all out, and it's been hard, um, but it really has been a beautiful thing, and I've been shaped by it. What do we need to pray? Mm -hmm. We need to act. I'm not saying we don't yeah. act. There is, I mean, Jamar Tisby's book is a great example of yeah. here's some real direction, but mm -hmm. I like, I want to change stuff yeah. through praying yeah. too. We have to. I mean, we do not. I mean, if Ephesians chapter six talks about this, it says we don't wrestle against flesh and right. blood. Right, right. That's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. So what are we tearing down? Yeah, I think we... I think the first thing we got to pray about seriously is like humility. Okay. Because I think it starts with us. Yeah. Like it starts with us. If I come into the situation assuming I know everything, assuming there's nothing for me to learn, nothing for me to change, um, then we ain't, I'm not going to make no progress. Yeah. And so I've had to learn that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I do think my perspective on racial justice is the right one. <laughs> I think it's biblical. I think it, it, it bears itself out historically, all of that. And I've been put on my face in conversations with real people, uh, and I've been humbled. And so I think just praying for humility, and I also think praying for God to like bring revival, man. I think that's what it's gonna take. I, I'm praying for God to truly intervene, and I think it starts with his church. Mm. It is sad, it is sad that the barometer of what's happening in the church is usually the culture when it comes to race. Wow. If you want to know what like is really happening in the church, all you got to look at is what's happening in politics. I mean, we saw that with the whole pandemic debate. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and so uh, I, I really think um, just praying for the Lord to really revive his church, for, our, for the church to prioritize gospel-centered, gospel-motivated justice and gospel-centered, gospel-motivated reconciliation. Yeah. And then to be willing to really live that out, not just in our little country club church environment, but also in the community. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've talked about this, but you know, last year I read the gospels every month mm -hmm. and looped through them. And, and one of the things it's done is it's changed my language a little mm -hmm. bit where I'm not going like, what, 
what should Christianity do? Or what should, I'm, I mean, in my head, I'm saying all the time, what would the gospel say to do? Yeah. What would the gospel say to do? And yeah. what can we do to move the gospel forward? What mm-hmm. do we need to do to move the gospel forward? Mm-hmm. So you're, if I'm hearing you correctly, to help move the gospel forward, we need to pray for revival. Yeah. We need to show up in conversations and we need to make friends with people who aren't like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so I think not a ton of that happens on Facebook. D- yeah. 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 Can yeah, we yeah. just not? <laughs> Yeah, and I think then then where God gives us opportunities to like put some feet on that, yeah, then we got to do it, and that that's hard. That's that's some hard conversations with some family members, right? Some hard conversations with some family members that are so beholden to their politics that they forget about people, right? Um, That's hard conversations with some family members who say little side comments, you know. uh, That's conversations with uh, people at work, right? Who where you're looking at certain policies or ways certain kinds of people are treated. Um, that is looking at like your decisions. Uh, had a really good friend who was just talking about how their family uh, lived in a certain community and when different racial minorities kind of started moving in the community, everybody started talking and they were kind of like, oh, property values are probably gonna start going down and people start selling their houses and moving. This is recent, yeah. you know what I mean? We gotta look and say, what am I gonna do about that? Yeah. And that's a real challenge. It's a real thing to be like, uh, yeah, because people are moving now and property values might go down. And this might not be what you need to do, but it's something to really pray about. Like, maybe I take that L. Maybe, maybe that's what that justice L. for me looks like. It's saying I'm not going to be one of the ones that chooses equity in my home over justice. I'm going to be one of the ones who stays and helps build a culture of reconciliation and hospitality right here and trust God. Trust God to pick up the slack for, for yes. this decision that I'm making. So yes. uh, I would say, like, we pray about it. We're in relationships and all of that. And then God is going to give us some opportunities, I think, uh, to, to put some feet on it and make some, like, hard, difficult decisions. I, that was a moment for me when I got that phone call saying, you know, it really help. I'll be honest with you. I was salty. Yeah. I was like, yo, we don't never really talk about race like that. Right. So this, one of the few times that I'm addressing this issue, I got to balance it out. I don't feel that happening on the other side. So I got to balance it out in the sermon and make sure, like, I'm not saying nothing crazy, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. But I got to make sure everybody is, you know, and, and I was mad. I wrestled with God backstage and I was just like, yo. For those like eight minutes. For like, like we got eight minutes eight to sort this out. Eight minutes yeah. while that worship team, I'm just like, <laughs> That song's about to be over. And, uh, and I'm wrestling with God, and I just decided I'm going to take the L in this moment. I'm going to humble myself wow. because I think he's right, but I can't feel how right he is right now. Wow. But I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to make the decision to come out here and add that part in my sermon. And I'm so, so, so glad you know that I did. So all of us will have those opportunities, and it's hard. Now y'all know why I gave him my podcast, right? I don't know. Still. Because this is the kind of friend we want to have. Mm. No question. No question. I, um, I just want you to hear how much I want to learn. Mm. You have that reputation. Yeah, you really do. I, when Annie, Annie knows this, I told her, when she asked, first asked me to come on uh, the podcast to do an interview, we had met and hung out. I was like, yeah, I mean, we like low-key BFS, but I don't really know her like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, and, I was high-key. Uh, high-key. <laughs> Very interested. And, um, and uh, 
I, but I'll be honest, I had to do my research. You know what I mean? I was like, is she legit? Is she for real? Is she just trying to use me? Is she trying to whatever? And so I called some friends that knew you. Um, and I was like, yo, what's, what's the word? And uh, a friend, I won't say his name, but a friend that we both know uh, said, uh, this is where his words, she was like, she's a real one. This is somebody who's very vocal. Like, he goes very hard. Yeah. Uh, he's very vocal about racial justice and all that type of stuff. Um, he was like, she's a real one. Wow. And, he, and, and, uh, and so you have that reputation, Annie. You've proven it. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough for irresponsibly trusting me enough uh, <laughs> to, to host your podcast for a week. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it again. Well, that's all very kind of you. I wish I'd have been thoughtful sooner. Mm. But I'm here now. Yeah. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you mm. want to make sure we cover? Mm. Have I ever told you a story about how I proposed to my wife? No, do it right now, oh, though. Okay. I'm like so here for these stories. Uh, it's a Wait, fun story. Can, but, does yeah. Ashley just need to be up here? I think she should be. Let's go. Ashley, come on. Just for this last little Where's part. Where's she at? She left. Where's she at? They're oh, like pointing her out because she's like sinking Please. in her like oh, chair. She gotta come pointing. up here now. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like she's standing up at all. She's slinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there you we go. Okay. Let's go. Bam! Can we get a microphone for Ashley? Is that right? Okay. Oh, look at all the thumbs up we're getting. All of them. <laughs> they all thumbs up us. Ashley, the stairs are way over there, and I bet they'll hand you a microphone when you go to. I'm sorry. Oh, she hates everything. She does. She hates life right now. I <laughs> want. You're gonna pay for this later, but I might pay for this later <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> Okay, so you proposed one time. I did. One, it was only once, uh, thankfully. Uh, please welcome Ashley Kelsey. Hi. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't even stand up. Your husband did. I'm sorry. But you look so cute. Thank you. You have to talk into the microphone. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. Uh, we didn't even ask. We'll it's pay okay. for your flight. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm sorry, but I'm not. Caleb, take pictures. <laughs> oh my gosh. Am I How, shiny? You're, oh my gosh, no, you're gorgeous. Are you, are this you what, kidding? Is this no. what girls talk about? She, did she just say, Am I shiny? She did. I just wonder if. I wanted to make sure that was verbalized for the recording. For this everyone, is very yeah, different yeah. than how dudes talk. I'm yeah, never looking not, at a dude that, and being like, ever Am I shiny that. right no. now? Okay, cool. No, cool, you cool, look cool. gorgeous. You're not shiny. You're beautiful. Didn't he do yeah. such a great job already? You did, honestly. I was oh, impressed. <laughs> wow. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's not who I live didn't with. Didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> no. Okay, uh, tell us the proposal story. Okay, so uh, real quick backstory. We met when she was in eighth grade. I was in 10th grade. That's early. Uh, it was real, very don't early. Don't propose then. Definitely not. Uh, I wouldn't have had a chance anyway. She ended up coming to my high school. She was a cheerleader. She dated basketball players. I was not a jock, nor was I an academic. I was just lost. You're I a rapper. Had, we I know. was like, I was like no, a wannabe. Wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it was bad. He was uh, a wanderer. My shoe size was the exact same. Same, but uh -huh. I was shorter. I had braces. Glad it was bad. It was a bad situation. So uh, I didn't. I didn't the stand a chance. I did the best, best I could. Uh, but I always joke and I say, but I went to college and I went from being Steve Urkel to Stefan. Oh. And so, see, young generation don't know nothing about that. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Look it up. Look it up. The thing, up. The thing is, he's so proud of that. I am. Like, <laughs> I am proud of that. You're like the first part of the story. Listen, Quit telling it. The way she says it, I grew into my head. That's what she oh, says. No, I, no, yeah. no. I said you grew into your features. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, that, the potential was there. That but. just. <laughs> Grew into your feet. That sounds like a very profound way of <laughs> insulting me. That's, yeah. <laughs> but my gosh, my gosh. Why did we bring her up here again? Yeah. <laughs> because she, is, she's like, I don't know, but I could not. <laughs> Everybody started pointing. Like you were real nervous, and you seem real comfortable now. No, sorry. Anyway, because you gave me a microphone. You gave me a microphone. My girl. I'd go. like to tell my story now. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, we started dating uh, in in college, and then we dated long distance afterwards because I was traveling doing some ministry stuff. Long story short. I wanted to propose to her. It took a very long time. We don't have to get in that because we don't have time. I know we don't have time to talk about why I took so long. But how long did you take? Um, we dated. We dated for six years. But wait, 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 Mike. wait, 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 wait. We, you we may started tell you what's not going to be my story. We, st- <laughs> we started dating when, when we were in college. So like three or four <laughs> years so of that. You got to be 84 like to get engaged. So. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. Those years don't count. Uh. <laughs> okay. Remember when they liked you 10 minutes anyway. ago? <laughs> Where's my Goodwin? He was like the only other dude that can <laughs> rescue me. <laughs> Once you got a joke or something. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but uh, came Six to my years. senses and was like, this is the woman that resilience. I definitely want to. My friend, uh, you've got some resilience. resilience. She is resilient. Um, so I was planning to propose. However... Because it was taking a long time. She was super frustrated. Uh, she thought that I was going to propose Christmas Eve. I knew she thought that. I intentionally did not propose Christmas Eve. You're a monster. Yeah, yeah. But and, and I told my family. I told them I was like, this is it. She did. I'm breaking up. I think yeah. I'm like cry- sobbing oh, in actually. my mother's kitchen. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I she's like, it. it's, it's okay. It's going to yeah, be okay. It was good. But here's why. Here's why it was good. I, by, at that point, I had already met with her mom and her dad to tell them that I want to propose. So her mom is hearing her sobbing and all that type of stuff. Her mom is a boss. Like her mom just kept her game face on. I appreciate it. Anyway, here's what happened with the proposal. So uh, so what I did was my birthday uh, was is December 27th. Okay. Um, and so in January, I, convinced, I had my best friend, one of my best friends, uh, and my brother convinced her to throw me a surprise birthday party. This is awful. This is awful. And so, I, uh, but remember that I wanted to break up with him. Yes, <laughs> right. but I was like, I guess I'll do this one Yikes. last hurrah. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Hurrah! It was. And so, <laughs> so her and my friend and my brother planned me this epic surprise birthday party. Family, staff from Ashley. church, all these people at my aunt's house. No, right. So the it's so lazy. It's really so, what it is. <laughs> but go on. So, uh, so. <laughs> I told them exactly what to do. I told them, you know, what food to order, all that type of stuff. And, uh, uh, what? and so I told them it was going to be in my aunt's house, you know, connect with her, all that good stuff. And so, <laughs> uh, so the plan was in her mind, the plan was that she was going to come pick me up um, and, uh, and then we were going to go out and then, it, and then she was going to tell me we're going to stop at your aunt's house because there's something we need to pick up there and uh, whatever. And, and, that, and the whole family and everybody would be there. Probably Got it. Whatever. So uh, she shows up to the house and I'm taking a really long time. Right. And this. Yeah, legit- we know. <laughs> <laughs> we know, wow. bud. Yeah. You've been taking a really long oh time God. for six years. That's, I guess that's what I do. OK, so I'm that's taking a really long time. Stuff hard. <laughs> that is some nine stuff. Well, I literally, like, for real, I cut myself while I was shaving. 
It was like Quentin Tarantino, like blood, like, like I think I hit an artery. And so I cut myself while I was shaving. I couldn't get the bleeding to stop. I'm trying to get it to stop. I'm trying to do whatever I can for like the blood clot, whatever. It needs to happen. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm about to propose pictures. I can't be bloody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, and so I'm taking a long time. She's super frustrated because I'm, she's like, you're ruining the surprise. Like, she's not saying this to me, but yeah. she's thinking you're ruining the surprise, whatever. Taking forever. So we get in the car. We head to my aunt's house. We get up to the door. Um, and we're at the door. And she wants me to go in first so everybody can say surprise. But I want her to go in first so everybody can be like, you know, whatever. Um, and, what were uh, they going to say? Congrats on getting engaged and you haven't done it? <laughs> Finally? No. Um, so, uh, so, so here's what we, uh, I, so when she, I finally got her to walk in, I have, a, I wish I had brought a picture of this. I have a picture of her when she first walks in the door. We'll share it when the show comes out in July. We'll share her dad, uh, is right there. Her dad walks up to her. Everybody's there. The lights are down. Everybody's there. Her dad walks up to her, takes her coat. There's a chair in the middle of the foyer. Her dad walks her over to, uh, to her chair and sits her down. She's realizing in all of this. I'm probably not breaking up with him tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what in the world is uh, is happening? And uh, she's got words. I, I what I realized is the man that I'm about to marry will have me do all of the work. <laughs> oh, well, and then he'll take the credit for it, and then he'll share it on a podcast. On a podcast, <laughs> and sermons. Yeah, I did masterfully have it's her plan her own uh, proposal. <laughs> We brought Listen, the wrong Kelsey to start, to didn't we? It. We needed Ashley all along. Here, but here's, honestly, here's why I share it. And I do share it. With, so wait, um, is it, and yeah. then you proposed? You're forgetting the I did, part. sorry. I did propose. She sat in the chair and then By what? By God's grace, she said yes. Uh, did you kneel down in front of everybody? Yeah. You're leaving out all the details. You I don't am, care so, about I your blood. I forgot the details that the women care about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes, I, I proposed. And uh, it was I a really, I got down on one knee, did the whole thing. And. Uh, it was a really, really beautiful, beautiful experience. We've been married for 12 years. We have three kids, 10, 7, and 4. It has been amazing. Yeah, we get um, it. Y'all are locked down. We get it. Y'all are locked down. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's why I share the story, though, is um, I think a lot of us often, and one of the things I've been learning from God in this is a lot of us, I think, feel like Ashley felt in that moment where she had plans and she was so frustrated that I was potentially ruining her plans. Mm. Like, what is taking you so long? I have these plans. Um, and she had no idea mm -hmm. that we were actually the entire time operating according to my plan, um, which worked out. And it was the plan she really wanted. It was. It was yeah. a plan that she really wanted. Yeah. And I just think a lot of us are, I have been struggling and like, God, I'm frustrated. I feel like you're moving too slow. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like you're moving so slow that like my, I'm, my dreams are gone. Mm -hmm. My plans are ruined. And I just think mm -hmm. God is just like, I got it. Mm -hmm. Like my plan is right on time. Right. It's right on time. Right. And you can't expect the way I'm going to do it and you don't know exactly, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth it. I'm not saying I was worth it. I do think I was worth it, but I'm not saying I was worth it. I'm pivoting from the analogy now. Um, and uh, I just think that's one of the things I've been learning. We've been learning. We've been learning to trust God in that in-between time. 
because he's, I mean, we have this, you know, fun story or whatever. We have like 66 books of the Bible that show us that God is planning exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask for or imagine. He's a good father. Like he really is a good father. He knows what we need before it's ever formed on our lips. He knows the longings of our hearts. He won't withhold anything good from us. And I know it can feel like that sometimes, but that's not the nature and the character of God. Um, And so like we really have been walking through a season for several years of having to, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, do you realize so much of your unhappiness is because you keep listening to yourself rather than preaching to yourself? And we've been having to preach to ourselves, oh God, I I can trust you. God, I know we are in the midst of your unfolding plan, yes. and it is good, and it is going to be good. Um, and, uh, yeah, God's just good, man. And uh, I know for me, uh, she's one of the most tangible evidences of that uh, in, in, in my life. So yeah. I'm very thankful. I'm not just saying that because you're sitting beside me on stage now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I am really glad you wanted to tell us that story. Mm. That will – there are many of us that – need to preach to ourselves and mm-hmm. that story will carry us to mm-hmm. it. Uh, before we were doing, I, before we were out here, I was putting makeup on whatever and I was mm-hmm. saying some things to myself in the mirror and, I, and my friend Kelly was with the roommate and I was like, I am my own best friend. I will mm-hmm. say all the things she needs to hear. <laughs> I will say them right now, right? Because we just have to preach to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, okay, the last question we always ask. Oh, I no. Oh. You're going to leave? I mean, I thought, I, I thought this was, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want her to stay, don't y'all? Yeah. Everyone wants you to say, I'm really sorry. I think you have to be in the picture and everything. Um, Do you want to leave a lot? No, I'm okay. 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 I don't want to force. That's entrapment. Um, (laughs) The last question I always ask, and I'd love for both of you to answer. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. I'll go because we were literally just talking about uh, going on tour. Yeah. Okay. I was talking to your crew and they were like talking about like, like you can see we're different Um, (laughs) because they were talking about like being on a bus and the bunks and like all that type of stuff. And I was like, that really sounds like it would be amazing. And she was like, "Mm -mm, don't don't. So I think like it feels like tour life would be amazing. It was like it would be great. Sorry. Sorry. Actually, I won't make an offer for him to go on tour. Yeah, his, I told her, I was like, bucket list is like a, a tour. Ta- what kind of bucket list? Okay. It seems like fun. <laughs> it's like, I want to be on a bunk with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Those are your dreams. <laughs> um, this, this is going to sound very cliche, but because you just sat here and told the story, I'm actually just thinking, like, what sounds fun to me is just being open to whatever the next adventure God has for us. Yeah. Like, I think I've tried to control a lot of things, tried to make my own fun. I'm just like, all right, let's just get on the roller coaster. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Um, Well, y'all please thank Mike and Ashley Kelsey for joining us. You guys, isn't Mike Kelsey the best? Listen, I know you want a podcast from him. You want books from him. Listen, we're trying. We're doing everything we can. And how great was that moment with Ashley? Listen, when we came off stage, we all kind of looked around and we're like, that was magic. That was magic. They are amazing. If you are not following Mike Kelsey right now, go and do it. Tell him thanks for being on the show, how much it meant to you. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. 
That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday as our live shows continue with our favorite double-name witches, Jenna Claire Mason and Mary-Kate Morrissey. Yeah. Call to your home.